Tyre Fishes, I'm Lucifer Storm, and I've got one quick question for you. That's right, you. How are you? How the devil art thou? Hopefully, you're keeping well and keeping safe. Before I introduce this week's guest, I do just want to let you know that this show is brought to you by Malice Bazaar, an online Etsy store that deals with morbid curiosities, ranging from unique upcycling to taxidermy. In fact, my friend John Doe comes from Malice Bazaar, and you can find a link to Malice Bazaar in the description box down below. But before you click that link, I do just want to warn you that what Malice Bazaar sells is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or the faint of heart. So recently, I got to sit down and have another awesome conversation with a great independent comic book creator known as Tail End Studios, who are currently running an Indiegogo campaign for their forthcoming book, Cobalt Thrashing Around. You can find a link to the Indiegogo campaign for Cobalt Thrashing Around in the description box down below, along with a few links on where you can find Tail End Studios. Cool, cool, man. So, like, where, where, like, how did you, like, get into comics? Like, not just as a fan, but, like, as a creator as well. Like, like, what was the time difference between the two? There, there was quite a bit of a distance between the two. So, I got into actual comics my junior year of high school, yeah. about 2004 or five ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, that's when the CW was picking up Smallville and trying to run with that. You know, teenage drama was the thing. Yeah. And uh, after uh, watching that for about six seasons, it started turning to shit, of course, and uh, started talking to my friends about it. And they're like, dude, you just need to read the comics. And I was like, well, I don't have any. Can you get me some? And they're like, yeah, man, I got some right here in my closet. Take them. So I started reading those and I fell in love with them, you know. And yeah. so off the bat, I just started collecting for my personal uh intrigue was nightwing nice. so so you'll see a lot of that reflect in what i created but also you know there's uh i grew up on you know the animated series of x-men batman spider-man and all yeah. those and but uh nothing will ever beat uh for the ninja turtles the 2003 series so oh, yeah. yeah so if you ever get a chance that one to me followed the comics the closest yeah but um yeah, man. After high school, um, you know, I enjoyed writing a bit here and there for college and then just for my personal self, a little bit of fan fiction. And I didn't actually make my own comic until uh, 2018, a couple of years after I had my accident. OK, so like before you had your accident, did you mm-hmm. always intend to like write comics or did you have the desire to like draw comics? No, I didn't actually. Uh, I was I was a theater kid, so that's oh, okay, what I cool. that's what I went to uh, college for. I was very much into the acting and the theatrics and all that kind of stuff. But you know that kind of that kind of nerd palette kind of goes hand in hand with being a comic book nerd at the same time somehow. Yeah. But yeah. so we all just kind of like migrated and started talking comics while we're behind, you know, the the backdrop and whatnot, and. Nice. Uh, no, I wasn't planning on really writing anything except maybe, you know, a three a theatrical screenplay or something like that. But I've always been a fan of comics. I've read comics since, you know, yeah. junior high. I've mm-hmm. collected them. I've got Green Lantern, Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, nice. The Mask, uh, Saga, you know, so. Sweet. You know. Sweet. 
So obviously, like you, you had this accident, which kind of like ties into Colt, Cobalt, and um, yeah, and and that stuff. So what actually happened? Uh, it was 2013, and mm-hmm. I was I was working in a factory. Okay. Um, I was assisting on a machine that I hadn't really uh, worked on before. So what we were doing was we were uh, taking out weights and replacing them with bigger uh, molds. Okay. So what we were doing, we were making uh, we were making uh, sandwich delivery uh, units for the military across to where wherever they were uh, based at. Yeah. So we were getting all that ready. Anyway, we were changing out the weights and whatnot, and uh, my hand was in a spot where it shouldn't have been. Okay. And uh, I was trying to pull some plastic through to try and make them uh, grip the teeth of the machine, but I was yeah. doing it incorrectly because it was my first time mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And so on, while I'm on one side, my coworkers yeah. on the other side where the start button is. Right. So uh, it was, you know, it's a routine day. You know, you don't really check yeah. everything you know, to make sure everything's clear. Well, that one day, you know, he didn't check to make sure it was clear and he hit start. I hear the compress, I hear the compression gas go off and I'm just like, fuck. Cause I know it's about to happen in that split second. Oh shit. So it, uh, it came down, crushed everything. Uh, next thing I know, just pain and agony and on the way to the hospital. Fuck, man! I like I I don't envy you for that one. To be <laughs> in all honesty, man, like that must have been like it must have been so strange trying to get used to things after your accident because you, oh, yeah. you obviously lost lost some of your hand because of it and stuff. That must have been really fucking soul destroying for you at the time. Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, depression hit. I went through the seven stages of grief, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> denial, compromise, you know, just saying, you know, yeah. if I get this back, you know, I'll change this and that about myself, yeah. you know, all yeah. that bullshit. But, uh, you know, two, two years out, I started like getting it back together, went back mm-hmm. to work, uh, met a lot of people in the uh, amputee community. And uh, they helped me work through some stuff, told me what they went through and their accidents, you know. And uh, it's been it's been good so far, man. I mean, became an ambassador for the company that made my prosthetic. I uh, met a bunch of individuals that, you know, helped me create, you know, COBOL and let me get that out of my system. Yeah. So it's it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, it must have been, man. And it must have been very cathartic sitting down and writing Cobalt. Like, was mm-hmm. it something that, like, when you sat down to write it, did you think, like, I'm just doing this for me. It doesn't matter if it gets anywhere. It probably won't. Or were you, like, dead set from the moment you had that first blank page that you were like, no, this is going to fucking happen? I didn't have the idea that I was going to expand on it until mm-hmm. I actually got into the process of creating it. Yeah. And then that just became the drug. That was, oh yeah. my God, creating this, making this. Origin stories to me are the best because you see how they delve into it. And uh, yeah, creating that origin story was great. It was very much a way of getting it out of my system. But yeah. what what was created was, in my in my personal opinion, was awesome. And I wanted to do more immediately. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it looks like such a good fucking book, man. Like the the art is spectacular. The character design is fantastic. Like everything that I've seen of it so far, 
I've got no faults whatsoever. <laughs> man, it appreciate just, it, man. It just looks fucking great, and it looks like really. At first, you don't think this is like like a really high concept idea, but the right. more you, like, you delve into it, you're like, no, this is a high concept idea. Like I can see lots of people picking this book up. Like it's not like a super niche kind of category that it falls into man right. like like what's the response been like so far when you've spoken to people about cobalt and like shown them like the trailer and some of the artwork and stuff you know uh when i show them the trailer and everything of course everybody talks about the art the art is fantastic <laughs> and i totally agree it's phenomenal uh my artist yeah. erwin arosa did a hell of a job and i'm going to be keeping him on hopefully for all four issues but um you know after after that, you know, at the beginning, you know, when it hit Super Able Comics, it was for a niche audience, you know, it was for kids, yeah. you know, growing up with limb difference and whatnot. Yeah. And I didn't want that to be the end game. I yeah. didn't want I didn't want to be just for one specific set of, you know, kids or whatever. I want Cobalt to be for everyone because yeah. we we all go through ordeals. We all like vigilantes and superheroes and stuff. So I very much yeah. wanted to broaden the audience good man good man like is this the first time that you've written a comic book with cobalt or have you like done like any smaller projects before that in 2018 we did the super abled comics project which was for the kids yes and and uh it was part it was part of this anthology yeah so this is the first time cobalt ever shows up in uh pages oh cool that was that was great experience. I loved it. I love the people I got to work with. Uh, the yeah. artist then was great and fantastic. Um, but yeah, after after that anthology, I kept on asking, dude, when are we going to do the next one? When are we going to do the next one? I was ready. <laughs> I was ready to pump it out. I'm sure I was annoying the hell out of the guy that put it together. But I mean, it was it was all in good nature, good fun. Yeah, you got the bug. <laughs> don't don't oh, let it go definitely. you, gotta, you oh, yeah. gotta keep it rolling man <laughs> oh man cat scratch fever all the way <laughs> <laughs> excellent way of describing it man yeah so like where does tail end studios fall into this is this something that that you intended to doing or was it kind of like i want this book to look as professional as possible so like i need to think about like a kind of like studio logo on there or something where does it come from most definitely. So tail end was when I started coming into Comicsgate. You know, okay. uh, when I started hearing about it, I was very much watching. I was watching a, uh, a channel on YouTube called Unreal Ant Gaming. So yeah. he fo he focuses on like the weeb stuff, like Dragon Ball Super and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. So when that came along, also the trial with Vic Mignogna. Mignogna. Mm, yes. That was yeah. taking place. So you know, all the little like. If you if you like watching this sub to these channels, check out these other videos. I just started clicking on those randomly, <laughs> so it went from that. It went from Vic. It went to Ethan. It went from Ethan to Mark Crilly. It went from Mark Crilly to the Barton brothers. And I was just I was just diving into the rabbit hole, man. I had no direction whatsoever, mm. but I mean, I was just soaking up all that I could. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it, man. And like doing that, did it feel like once you'd been like through through the rabbit hole a little while and you'd found like so many different channels, did it feel like you you'd become like enlightened to something or did you feel more like I found my tribe? I've been looking for this. 
I'm always one not to have a defined, um, I'm not committed to my belief system. What's I'm very much open to what anybody has to, you know, converse with or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm very much open to your opinion. I'm open to other people's opinions, but, um, I was very much agreeing with everything that was being sold within comics. Day. don't tell me how to write. Don't tell me what to write. If I want to throw it in there, sure. No problem. But I'm not here just to delegate to a certain, uh, community yeah you you want to write comics not propaganda exactly yeah and i and i understood you know like many comics you know do talk about politics and make you ask questions about stuff but they always left it open-ended to make your own um allow you to have your own thoughts on it they didn't make it to where they asked the question then they solidify the answer for you yeah absolutely it was all open to interpretation it's a bit like what um stan lee said about he had a kid come up to him at a, at a con and ask him mm-hmm. like who who would win in between a fight like of the thing and the hulk mm-hmm. and he thought about this so when he was working on like versus issues he would always say to like anyone working on it we need to make it that if you're a fan of the thing then the mm-hmm. thing won but if you're a fan of the hulk then the hulk won right kind of alternate endings kind of thing yeah that's that's like how it should be you know you want the audience to think for themselves and most audiences want to think for themselves they don't want someone going you must believe in this and don't ever question it or else (laughs) you know yeah i hate that i hate that mentality yeah same but uh yeah yeah man i i hate that mentality too it's it's very it's cult like and i'm yeah a big fan of that whatsoever it's very much uh feeling like you're being selected or you know excluded from something and you shouldn't have that feeling when it comes to comic books no absolutely and you know this may sound like an extreme metaphor or analogy but when I see that kind of behavior, I'm like, what's the difference between that and grooming a child? Exactly. You know, because yeah, I'm much. not seeing much difference. And grooming a child's bad. So doing that is just as fucking bad, if you ask me. But hey, yeah. that's, that's just my opinion. No. You know? <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. So with Tail End Studios, like, I, I love the logo to Tail End Studios because it's got mm-hmm. a fox in it. Why, why did, why did yeah. you put a fox in the logo? I needed something that was just different from everybody else, just doing the massive uh, word, you know, Marvel, DC, just, you know, initials and large fonts. I I wanted to get away from that. So I thought I needed some kind of mascot and I chose the Fox and I thought it was good because they're, they're very mischievous. Yeah. Oh yes. They're very, uh, they're very cunning. Mm-hmm. but they're but they're also they also love life they love having fun which is what yeah. to me is comic books so i yes. chose the fox as my uh mascot yeah i can vouch for that because as i've i think i've mentioned it to you before but i actually take care of wild foxes yeah i so see I, your post every now and then on twitter yeah 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 i mean like i've got a few photos here like uh th- this is a fox of mine called buddy like he's no longer Aww. with us unfortunately but he was just such a gentle soul that that football right next to him he stole mm-hmm. 
from somewhere. <laughs> like he saw it, he killed it, and went. Now it's got to come back with me. That was amazing. Waking up to that and going, "What the fuck is that in the middle of the garden?" <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've seen videos of foxes. Are they very much kind of like you know uh, docile dogs or cats or something like that? I mean, I've only seen a few, but they seem very kind and gentle. The the way I always describe it is, it's like cat software on dog hardware mm, i get you so so there's there's certain things they'll do and it's like oh that is the dog in you like the way they play <laughs> the way they run the way they, mm -hmm. they they sniff out food it's like that's the dog in you but then you see things like the way they stretch the way they yawn and 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 the way they sleep it's like okay now that's the cat in you <laughs> coming out kind of thing they, generally they are very much scared of humans like i've mm. i've been i've been very lucky with the foxes that i have that yeah some of them if i if i walk outside the house and they see me they they run they hide in the bushes but most of the ones that i've had so far they've all been like okay i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stay out here but i'm gonna keep my distance a second and like you end up earning their trust i've got mm. one at the moment called tails i've actually got a photo of him here and i call him tails because he's missing a bit of his entail bless him Aww. And and he is a very very gentle soul. Like uh, the other day, I had a delivery guy turn up, and he turned up quite late, and he rang the doorbell, and I opened it, and he said, "I've bought this stuff for you. Do you realise you've got a fox in your garden?" I was like, "Yes," and I've got some in the uh, in the back garden as well, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and and tails was just like led on his side, just in the drive, just chilling out, and like the delivery guy went, and he didn't didn't batter an eyelid, uh, so I just sat in the doorway and just like got some ham and stuff and was like do you want to come here and he just came straight over literally stood on my knees and just took the food from my hand and he was just so gentle about it as well they are wonderful wonderful creatures so are they are they wild and they just chill with you or do you like help yeah. out a wildlife organization or anything like that uh no they're they're wild what it what okay. happened is uh my garden got overgrown and I was trying to tackle it because it was quite a nice, spacious garden and everything. And it was quickly all this bramble and bracken was like taking it up. Mm. So like as fast as I'm cutting it down, it's growing back even more and more. And I just I got to that point where I was just like, I'm fucking sick of this. Just let it grow kind of thing. <laughs> it, it will die out when it's ready to. And then uh, one evening, like I'm just watching TV and I just hear this banging against like the back door. So I'm like, what the hell is that? And I look out there. And there's these cubs running about and playing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm. And I noticed that they ran off to a, a certain bush in the garden. Didn't think anything of it until the next day when it happened again. And I noticed they're running back to the same bush. What's going on? And I explored. And what had happened is a vixen had come along to my garden and thought, yes, this is where I'm going to give birth to my cubs. And she gave birth to these three little cubs and then died in the process. Oh, so I had these three cubs there and I was like, well, I can't just leave them without anything. You know, I've got to at least course. put some food out there. Definitely. And it just, it, it just grew from that. Like I, whenever I was putting food out there, I'd just make like a kind of sound and they got mm -hmm. used to that sound meaning, okay, food's here, give it a few seconds and then the human will go away and we can, <laughs> we can come out and get it <laughs> safely. And uh, one evening when I did it, uh, one of the, I, I was throwing out like sausages for them and i just saw this face in the bushes just staring at me through this little <laughs> hole and he was watching the sausage go up and then down and then up and then down and he could just kind of click like oh he's cool he's <laughs> he's all right and he just 
he he came out of the bus and just just came straight up to me and just sort of like sat there and was like, well, are you going to give it to me or not? Kind of thing. And it just worked from there. And like every year that like they would have like a, a litter of cubs and then those cubs would come back and have a litter of cubs. And it's just been a, a, a cycle that's gone on whenever they've had a new litter of cubs. One of the first things they've done is they've encouraged the cubs to come out whilst I've been putting food out there so okay. that the cub so that the cubs are still like, I don't trust him. But I'll just keep my distance. It'll be okay. I won't yeah. run away from it, which which is really nice. So I've just kept doing it, and it's just become a part of my life, and I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So they become a little bit of, a little curious about the human next door. Yeah, yeah, they do. Okay. Like I, I try to. I don't really encourage them to like get friendly. It's like if they choose to get friendly, that's one thing. Sure, but I don't encourage it because there's always going to be that point where they leave the garden and they're mm -hmm. going to have their own adventures. They may not come back. And I don't want them to make that mistake of getting too friendly and going, oh, look, there's another human. I'll go be friends with him. And then they meet someone who's an absolute cunt. <laughs> 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 to put it Fair bluntly. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, man, oh, tell, me, um, tell me a bit more about cobalt because by the time this show goes out your campaign should still be running i would have thought and there, obviously there'll be links in the description box for everyone so yeah tell me a bit more about the actual story of cobalt okay so uh cobalt uh from his origin story he was very much just a kid you know blue collar of course working in a factory and yeah. uh you know he was just trying to make ends meet for his mom and his little brother so uh his brother isaac is 12 years old you know he's his little brother, he's kind of like uh, the Gohan for my story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they uh, are trying to, you know, keep up with the bills and whatnot. And then, you know, within the story, they find out that uh, their mother has a, has a, has cancer. Right. So they're already having a hard time keeping up with the bills now. And Jesse doesn't know what to do. He has yeah. no idea. They can't pay for his mother's uh, medical bills. And so a friend of his from work is like, hey, man, I got this job I need to do and I kind of need a second. Would you mind doing that for me? Make a quick, you know, quick cash. It could probably help out your mom's bills or whatnot. Yeah. He's he's kind of sketchy about doing it. You know, he's he but he needs the money. So he he ends up helping out with the job. But uh one night while they're making a drop, uh, they get jumped and they lose the merchandise. Yeah. So as a compensation, Esmeralda Blasco, who runs the Aranya cartel, she takes his fingers as compensation. Right. She has, she has one of her, uh, henchmen just take a cleaver and just go at his hand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hell of a hell of a moment, but, um, so after that, you know, he, he's dealing with loss. He's, he lost his chance to, you know, make some cash for his mom and her bills. And he just feels defeated. He's got that L written across his chest, you know? Yeah. And he, he goes to a therapy group taking place by, uh, one of his ongoing, uh, castmates, uh, Thomas Rogers. Thomas Rogers was an ex Navy SEAL special ops and uh, he lost his arm in Afghanistan. Right. So he very much knows what Cobalt's going through, and he becomes yeah. that mentor figure. 
Cool. So he's he's trying to guide uh, Jesse's anger, trying to guide him through you know the ordeal of dealing with his grief and trying to let go of it at the same time. Yeah. So this is very much the aftermath of all that. Can he be a savior for Atlanta? Is he ready to be a savior for Atlanta? Or does he need to focus more on letting things go and focus on being a guardian for his little brother instead? Cool, man. Cool. That just sounds great. Like I said, every single bit I hear or see about this project, it just sounds amazing. I've got no faults with it whatsoever. How long did it take for you to find a, an artist to do this book? What was that journey like? Um, I'm I'm part of a lot of uh, Facebook groups that have mm -hmm. to do with indie artists or writers, creators and whatnot. And so I just put an ad in those groups saying, this is my budget. This is my story. This is the kind of art I'm looking for. And just a horde of artists came in and I was looking through all their portfolios and all of them looked good, but they weren't hitting what I wanted. I wanted that mm -hmm. kind of thicker line, realism, gritty shape, yeah. you know? And uh, nobody was bringing it to the table. So a week passed and I was about to just, you know, take down the ad from them all. Yeah. And before I did that, this one dude at the end of it uh, put his portfolio out and says, I know I'm late, but just give this a, sh give this a look. And it was my Filipino artist, Erwin uh, Arosa. I looked yeah. at it, fell in love with it. I was like, this is it. This is what I've been <laughs> looking for. So I quickly snatched up. I said, you're hired. This is the budget. Let's get this going. And that was back in August last year. And mm -hmm. man, 32 clean cut pages later, we're good to go. Now I'm just waiting on my letterist, working with him to get it all done. Nice. That's what I like to hear. You got to treat your artist the same way you treat that perfect partner that you've just started dating. Oh yeah. Let them go for Do you like it this way? Money. Do you like that? How's that? Do you like it like that? Yeah, is that good? Perfect. Oh, three? Okay. Maybe three. All, all four? Damn. All right. All four. I don't I don't see how that's gonna work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> perfect absolutely perfect man <laughs> absolutely perfect yeah you 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 gotta hold on to that artist for long oh, definitely right because you, you've you've you found the fucking golden goose man you found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow <laughs> with the artist you have got that doesn't happen like too often man like i know mm -hmm. like quite a few people who they've been in a similar position to you where you know they've got the script they need an artist they put that ad out there and they get people coming up and they're like, yeah, but you're not just, you're just not cutting it. Like you're not there yet kind mm -hmm. of thing. And they, they do feel discouraged. So like, it's as if the stars aligned for you on this book, man. I've gotten lucky both times, even with the seven page origin and, you know, thrashing about, I got very lucky both times. Um, or uh, Jacob Newell worked the seven page anthology and it, it's beautiful, no doubt, yeah. but it's very much more clean comic book esque, mm -hmm. you know, DC Marvel type, you know, art artistic yeah. uh, way. And um, I just needed something grittier, something more raw looking, more realism. Yeah. And yes. I got, I got that with Irwin and my hats off to him, man. I could, I don't think this would have gone as well 
without him. I, th- I yeah. think his art had a lot to do with it because, you know, most, you know, vigilante superhero stories, they're all going to like run the same engine. It's just, you know, what are the different tidbits that make it unique in itself? Yeah. And um, I believe with my characters and his art that we've, we've defeated it. We're ready to go head on, man. We're, we're a train leaving the station. Awesome, man. Do you have more books lined up with him already? Or are you still like in that process process of being like, I need to think of the next story because if I don't have one, this guy goes to someone else and I can't have that. <laughs> no. So I've got this uh, thrashing about. It's going to be a four issue miniseries, Excellent. but I've got stories lined up for Cobalt and his supporting cast. So I've got ideas for Isaac to do his own solo thing. Maybe not in his own book, but like a subplot within the Cobalt you know yeah. a comic and of course i got one for thomas and you know a couple of other allies that he has but i also have one for the antagonist death uh the death stalker yeah the the arabic guy the muslim and yeah. uh you know just there's so much i want to do with all these characters but i i i just don't want to like you know gun it i need to make sure that it's unique enough to where people want to be enthralled with these uh stories they i want them to dive into these characters and feel like there was something actually put forth for them yeah so that's that's what i plan on doing each each one has their own story but i'm very much focused on the individual uh task at hand excellent man how have you found the the experience of marketing this book because uh i know from experience and i'm sure that lots of other people know from the experience especially if it's your first indiegogo mm-hmm. you go into it thinking yeah i'm gonna put some time in this i can still draw a page i can still write a script and how wrong we are when we get yeah. into that campaign <laughs> you know how has yeah. it been for you man it's been along that line with getting the dialogue done done like um i'm slowly working on getting that um placement dialogue out and uh, replacing with actual like pardon me conversations and so while i'm doing that i'm also looking at like that that that's that that clock is really ticking (laughs) so you know i put it on i put it on the full 60 days from the get-go which probably hurts me in the end but at the same time it's your first one you don't do everything perfect on your first one exactly and uh but i I just see the grains of sand hitting the bottom of of it and uh i'm just like man i need to get on this and get the letter on this but at but um, at the same time, it will be ready when it comes to, you know, closing the campaign. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Excellent, man. That's what I like to hear. Uh, like, have you found that most of the people back in the book have uh, been from the U.S.? Or have you had a fair few backers who have been outside of the U.S.? I've actually looked at that pie chart that they give you on Indiegogo. Yeah. And uh, it is mostly U.S., mm-hmm. but I do get a few from the UK. I've got, a, I've got like one or two from Australia and I've got one random one from Japan. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> I was like, the fuck you doing back there? <laughs> <laughs> they do crop up, man. It's, it's amazing. It was, like, it was weird. 
yeah like i remember like i was looking at it and i was like all right yeah cool you know i've got u.s people it's mostly u.s people that's great fantastic i've got uk sure. people awesome you know a couple from scotland a couple from canada australia why is there one for romania like i didn't realize <laughs> that they had such a strong comic book culture but i'm glad they do most definitely I agree completely with that. It's just those random pop-ups really just throw you for a loop. You're like, really? I I hit somebody out there that far away? That's nuts. Yeah, Yeah, it's nuts, but it's fucking awesome too. (laughs) Oh, of course, yeah. To be able to just put a stamp on there that says that this is going to Japan for somebody. I mean, it's it's gnarly, man. I love it. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. What would you say is your like most interesting writing quirk? The thing that makes you stand out from other comic book writers? Oh, what makes me stand out from other comic book writers? Uh, shoot. I would have to say that every one of my protagonists are going to be an amputee. Okay. So okay. that's very much going to be the thing that I bring to the table. Hmm. We, ha- we have a lot of people with like uh, cybernetic arms and stuff within our comic books, even in CG. And I'm like, we actually need somebody that's not using a fucking prosthetic. So I'm, I'm bringing that in my next uh, story that I got brewing after Cobalt called Damascus. Yeah. So that one's very much going to be like seven deadly sins, you know, with fantasy cool. and folklore, all mixing all those together. Nice. And uh, my, my uh, protagonist is going to be from uh, Ireland, missing an arm. Uh, based based off one of their old folklore legends. And then his companion is going to be a character called Jing Tian from a Japanese poem where he took on the Supreme Divinity and lost his head. And he's now he's on, he's on that uh, journey to retrieve what he lost and also like get his vengeance on the Supreme Divinity. So it's all, it's all going to be awesome, man cool man cool so you know you've mentioned uh comics gate a couple of times i don't think i need to ask whether you're openly comics gate or not i think that was pretty much self-explanatory uh Most how, definitely. Have you, how have you found the response from people when they discover that you're part of comics gate have you had like a lot of people being like oh i was going to support you but then i found out you were part of the hat group you know i i've had some people in my own circle say i need to stay away from comics gate because okay. they're all they're all elitists and you know racist and you know they hate disabled people they hate colored people <laughs> they hate everybody and i'm just like i don't know if you know this about me but uh, i've i've been treated pretty well within comics gate nobody's like yeah. hitting me over a head and drug me out back to finish the job or whatever but <laughs> you know and you know of course i see you know Eric July, he's, I guess, CG adjacent, but, uh, you know, then there's uh, the creator of Hex, you know, Hex Allen in his comic, and there's plenty of others. There's uh, Black Rose comics, you know, with, um... oh, crap, I just forgot his name. He's going to hate me for that. But anyway, so with Black Rose comics and just, you know, there's a plethora of people who are colored or disabled or whatever within CG, so it has nothing to stand on. Their argument has nothing to stand on. Mm. It's just, it's just an agenda that people have. And I, I'd pay no, I pay no attention to it. It's dust on the jacket. Just wipe it off and do what you love doing with people that love doing it and supporting you at the same time. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like I, I've made it clear before, like, you know, I'm I'm not comics gay, but I'm not anti comics gay. Sure. You know, I, I think in the eyes of some people, they would call that comics gay adjacent. In the eyes of others, exactly, they, would call, yeah. they would call it Nazi adjacent. <laughs> I, I call it outlaw comics, man. It's it's the whole thing yeah. of like, look, I'm, oh, I'm I like not, that. I'm not tagging myself to anything. But I've got a middle finger for either side if anyone fucks up. <laughs> kind, yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. most definitely. You know? But, you know, I, I've met people who are anti-comics gate. And, you know, I've explained to them. I've got plenty of friends, plenty of people I know, plenty of people who I have worked with who are comics gate. They are not the fucking, like, monsters that you describe them to be. What really got me is I had, like, this one guy who I was talking to about it. And, like, at the time, I was still running the Lady Satan campaign because there was still that right. and click that you mentioned earlier. It's like the 11th hour. I'm like, is this motherfucker going to fund or not? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I just don't know. And I'm getting ready to go on a Red Valkyrie's channel, which is a fucking yes. amazing channel. Amazing people. They are comics gay. And I mm -hmm. fucking love them. And, you know, I said to this guy, like, oh, hey, you know, this is how the campaign's going. Hopefully it'll be okay because, you know, I'm going on Red Valkyrie's channel, which is a comics gate channel. But, hey, that's fine by me. And this guy responded with, how can a woman be part of comics gate? comics gate hate women and i was like dude i'm gonna speak in a fucking language you understand okay you're part of the anti-comics gate crowd have you ever noticed that you guys are the palest motherfuckers on the planet and you yep. all seem to be dudes right Most whereas the, pe the people i know from comics gate and i won't name anyone because some of them won't sure. want this information being uh allocated to their names i have met sure. gay men in comics mm -hmm. gay i've met gay women in comics gay i have met trans men in comics gay trans women in comics gay i have met obviously white people i have met black people asian yeah. people who are all part of comics gay there's something wrong with these guys like i don't get it like the glasses that they are wearing aren't working oh, yeah. <laughs> they're they can't see any farther than the end of their nose man it's short-sighted they're just short-sighted individuals that you know they don't want to hear anything other than what they've, you know, instilled in themselves. And it's, it's sad. It's a bummer. Really? It is. it is like, I don't have hatred for those people. I have more frustration because it's like, guys, you know, you are, you are blocking yourself off from some incredible people, some incredible stories, some people who, if you just showed it, like you don't have to be comic skate to get on with these people no okay and you don't have to like the idea of comics gate but show them from some fucking respect and they will support you they'll be there for you man and like you're cutting your nose off despite your face at this point mm. when you're going they're a hate group at this point what isn't a hate group and how come yeah. right <laughs> sorry i'm gonna go on a little rant now <laughs> how come right i love the way these people are like i hate hatred i fucking hate hatred that's hate speech that's a hate group he's a hateful person how come these people are so good at going hate 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 but they can't go oh and that's an example of love speech that's an example of a love group and that's a lovely person they can't seem to do it <laughs> no it's it's because nobody wants to talk about good things. Good oh, things don't right. get ratings. Good things yeah. don't get ratings. Yeah, absolutely. If it bleeds, it leads. Arguments get ratings. Hate oh, pointing yeah. the finger. That get <laughs> that gets the ratings. <laughs> it's a mad Fucking world, is it? People. 
it's a shame that it's infected indie comics because i mean like your book is reaching quite a few people now there are so many people who are talking about it if it wasn't for this divisive bullshit your audience could be twice the size triple the size even and yeah, i think that's I'd a love it shame. it is man i i mean i i said earlier you know i want to hit i want to hit all communities with it. i don't want to be a niche for one or the other one if one helps me out more than the other awesome i'm going to show props to them i'm going to give you know i'm going to give them a nod i'm going to give my thanks i'll be i'm very grateful to anybody that helps me out but at the but on on that flip of the coin if you're going to be the one that just wants to spout hate and say i'm part of this part of that i don't need you in my life i got all these yeah. people that are right here that are ready to take that spot yeah. so just you know get up and out there's the door good on you man good on you that's a really good attitude to have man when you're writing your comics like mm -hmm. do you find it energizing or exhausting at the beginning energized at the ending exhausting <laughs> excellent that's the correct answer if you ask me <laughs> there's somewhere there's somewhere in the middle where you're just like fuck <laughs> You just, you yeah. just at that point after you get all your stuff actually written down, and then you got to sort through it. That's when yeah. it becomes exhausting because you're trying to hit those points, those arcs, those, you know, those little beats that are supposed to take place yeah. within your story. Yeah. But on the on the point of like you know making it come together and bringing it to fruition, that's great. But when it comes to actual like having to do the work part, yeah. the side yeah. of it, dude, that's. That's exhausting to anybody. I don't care who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good type of exhausting. Oh, of course, man. Because at the end of the day, you get to you you hopefully you get to hold it. You get to take a look at it in its physical form or digital form, however you want to go about it. But uh, when it comes to fruition, and you can finally say this was the last piece of the puzzle that I get to put on, you know, the lucent puzzle. So it. But when you get put that last piece in, man, it's glorious. It's phenomenal. Hell yeah, man. What would you say is your writing kryptonite? That one thing that if it shows up when you're meant to write, you'll be like, I want to write, but I just can't because this is here and it's possessing me. Oh, it's that big 55-inch thing right in front of my face right now. That big old television. So, <laughs> yeah. If, if that thing's <laughs> on in front of me... I'm not going to get shit done, dude. I, I got ADD. I ain't going to get shit done if that thing's on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I can so fucking relate to that. Like when it, when it comes to writing, like sometimes I can do it with a bit of music on in the background, preferably mm. something instrumental. But most of the time I'm like, I need everything away and off. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be yeah. like, I really want to write this motherfucker. I've, I've got my juices flowing. I've yeah. got all the passion in the world. But damn, I need to binge watch this right now. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. I should, this weekend, I got the whole weekend off from work. I should be focusing on writing and getting that dialogue done. But I had to watch that four hour fucking Snyder cut. I had oh, to. Yes. I had yes. to. There's no importance in needing to, but I had to yeah yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> like i didn't need it to survive it wasn't no. like my oxygen supply was going to be cut off if i didn't but i fucking did yeah. <laughs> exactly right what did you think of the snyder cut i actually enjoyed it man 
I mean, you know, I wish I wish that's what we were given in the theater rather than the WB version. I'm not even going to call it the Whedon version because WB put him on that task. It, yeah. Whedon was just doing what he thought was wanted. So hmm. I don't really I don't really blame him. I blame WB for not sticking to their guns and not having any balls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely cuz I was I was kind of expecting like a different story and then it was like about an hour into it I was like, "Oh no, we're getting the same story. This is just the decompressed version." Mm-hmm. Josh Whedon got asked to come on and clearly the the producers, the studios, the men in suits went, "We want it to be 2 hours long. So you need to compress this motherfucker as much as possible." <laughs> so, I'm with you, man. I don't see it as like the yeah. Whedon version because I think if it was, it would have been a completely different story it would have would have been pushed to the side and he would have done a page one rewrite through and through mm-hmm. it's it's them producers who were like no 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 we're gonna give you like three hours and you need to trim this motherfucker down add some humor into it kind of thing like yeah i i enjoyed it i i will admit there was a little bit of fat that needed to be trimmed off kind of, of course were, you know there were a couple of scenes that it's like yeah well if you took that out it would have been a nice tighter move but generally really fucking enjoyed it i think it's the best dceu movie that they've put out so far oh most definitely so i had i have this uh list of like the top three that i enjoyed so most people don't i really loved aquaman yeah i, I know, did I, it was fantastic the scenes and everything it was mm-hmm. awesome when they went actually into atlantis it was beautiful yes i just wish we could have explored that world a little more but of course it was congested with like three different storylines all trying to like clap for the front of it. So I was like, I get it. You know, they haven't found their way around yet, but of course it was Aquaman. It was wonder woman. And then I enjoyed Shazam, but yes. now, uh, but now justice league has taken one of those top three spots and I, I haven't decided which one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that, man. I can understand that because Shazam was was a fucking great movie. I had so much fun with that. Same with uh, Aquaman. Uh, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great like a lot of people were making it out to be. Like I saw like a lot of problems with it. So oh, I'm not talking me, about 84. I'm not talking about 84. I'm talking oh, about the neither first am one. I. Neither am I. <laughs> 84 is a whole different beast a whole different discussion i don't even see it as a dc movie (laughs) it's it's just something else that's like over here it's it's the red-headed stepchild of their movies you know (laughs) yep all right who's all going to breakfast with me all right you three step forward not so fast jimmy absolutely man absolutely so as as a comic book creator as a comic book writer mm-hmm. would you rather be successful or great would you rather it be that like you know you put cold Bell out there and like millions of people buy it and you're like well i don't need to worry about how i'm paying the bills for the next few years or would you prefer it if like say like 200 years down the line people are still picking up that book and going my god this is fucking amazing this is a lesson in how to write a masterpiece why not both (laughs) well because that's how the question's worded but i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you (laughs) (laughs) but uh no man i would i wouldn't mind having a sleeper but i would have to know it's a sleeper (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) no i would i would much rather have it be picked up by people you know 
down the line, you know, just generations, you know, coming in and wanting to dive into cobalt. That would be great. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that means we also got to keep kids into comic books for that long too. So yeah. it's, it's very much hard to do with everything that they have at their fingertips nowadays. You know, yeah. everything's on a device. So to pull them back and try and get them to, you know, I'm, I like paper. I don't care for yeah. the digitals. I want, I want to be able to feel the essence of what somebody created. Like yeah. a lady Satan, I made sure I got the paper. I don't want no digital. Good man. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's why you're on this show. <laughs> <laughs> fucking knew it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean funny enough like i wasn't even going to do it as a digital like originally mm -hmm. it was just it was just going to be a hard cover you didn't even have the option of the soft cover or the hard cover then i saw the shipping costs for you guys in the u.s and i was like oh shit there better be a soft cover mm -hmm. version give you guys the option try and like bring that money down and it was only like when i was speaking with uh pops fan son do you know pops I've watched him a couple times, yeah. He's a good guy, man. Real good guy. Yeah, he is. Like, I'm talking to him about it, and he was like, you need a digital version. I was like, yeah, but it hasn't been done for digital. It's meant to be yeah. that traditional on-paper kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, but think about this. There are people out there, because of COVID, in Australia, they've got all these shipping containers that are just sitting on the beach. Shit ain't being delivered because of COVID. Those motherfuckers, if they order your book and it doesn't arrive to them in like three or four months after the date you've you've told them because it's in one of those shipping containers, they can get a refund and it screws you. Doesn't mm -hmm. screw them because they will get the book in like a year or two's time, but it screws right. you over. Whereas if they get the digital option, they'll take that. And he like, I also had someone who spoke to me who was like, look, I, I work on an oil rig. The postman doesn't come here. <laughs> How am I meant to read the comic? Kind of thing. I was like, all oh right. My God. I'm sold. I'll put the digital version out there reluctantly, admittedly, but I'm I'm fucking glad that I did. <laughs> no. There was there's a guy out there that has a YouTube channel YouTube channel, uh, Inch High Comic Guy. Yes, yes, I know. Okay. So he does a lot of reviews for, you know, any kind of indie book or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, he very much dislikes the uh, digital copies for people to grab or whatever. Yeah. And I like his argument against it. It's for me, it's hilarious. He says the only people that argue for digital are bootleggers. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> I, I, so I was floored. I was floored when he said that. I was like, that is accurate. <laughs> That's a because very good argument. Because instead of, you know, going out and buying, you know, some mangas, I'm just watching what people are downloading or zipping for themselves and sharing the content with others that they're with. And I'll be honest, that's that's an excellent argument. If you want it, you're, you, you, you don't have to do digital, but if you want it, maybe you could show and like chill out a little more just for a physical. Yeah. If, you're, if you're worried about waiting a year for a book, don't back Ethan Van Skyver. <laughs> but you're going to, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, have a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've backed Ethan. I'm a patient guy. I can wait for a good book, good yeah, art. Man. I can wait. If you're willing to wait on him, wait on this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I like I get where Inch High is coming from. I do think that's a very, very good argument. 
the only thing I would say against it is I've met people who, once again, I shall not name names because they sure. probably don't want this information out there, <laughs> who they didn't have the money to get comic books, or at least that's what they say. Sure. Uh, what, what, what they probably mean is this money is allocated to beer, not comics. Therefore, I won't yep. use it to get comics kind of thing. And the, they've, they've gone out there and they've downloaded Sin City like the whole set, set, set of Sin City, or they downloaded the whole lot of Hellboy because they've never read it before. They've then read it and gone, this is fucking amazing. And all of a sudden, that beer money is available to spend on the physical copies, and they go out and spend the phys- uh, money on the physical copies. Something that they weren't willing to do before they bootlegged it. Now, obviously, not every bootlegger is doing that, but it does go sure. to show that there are people who do do that who wouldn't have if they didn't bootleg it first. So I, I get where he's coming from. I just think it's yeah. a bit more of a complicated uh, topic than than we realize. I, I will say back in the early 2000s, I was a fan of a website called Pirate Bay. Ah, right. <laughs> so I, I, very much, I know that some people probably don't have the money, but at the same time, you know, that little disclaimer before all DVDs back in the early 2000s, piracy is a crime, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, as much as I want my content out there at the same time, do I really want it just because one dude downloaded it and now he's sending it to everybody else? Mm. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's bittersweet, you know? So I get it, but at the same time, you know, so I don't know. I put, I put a digital copy out there for him for Cobalt just in case. Yeah, because you just never know. That could be like, yeah. if you didn't, that could have lost you a few backers at the end sure. of the day. You know, and I think with with the subject of piracy, I think it's one of those things that no matter what side of the fence you're on, you're not wrong and you're not right either kind of thing. It's just, it's yeah, it just is how it is for you. Everyone's got their, mm-hmm. their own perspective on that one, which, you know, I, I, I'm fine with that. So yeah. with, with Cobalt, have you, have in the story, have you hidden any secrets that only people will flick through the pages and go, oh, yeah, I know what that means. I know what that means. But most people like myself will be like, oh, that's just part of the background. Uh, for, uh, oh, you mean like little uh, Easter eggs and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah uh, little hidden gems. Not for anything outside of the Cobalt realm. I put a little uh, hints of what's going to be led up to later on for yeah. different characters okay. that at this point mean absolutely nothing. But, you know, <laughs> down the road when, uh, you know, Cobalt, you know, gets that great leap and people are, you know, trying to buy like 10s, 20s issues of Cobalt, most definitely when we get there, you'll see those little hints come up. But nice. as far as Easter eggs to other uh, works and whatnot, I haven't. I want to. Mm. Most definitely want to. Like uh, being set in a cyberpunk neo-noir setting, you know, yeah. you could have like some of those neon signs maybe, you know, show uh, a movie of like, I don't know, Salamandroid or something like that. Or, yeah. you know. Uh, call out to uh, uh, Cerebrum from Black Rose or, you know, just different ideas. And, uh, you know, maybe even some characters in the background just sitting there looking like other people's characters. But, uh, right. you know, for this issue, I didn't think of doing any of that just because I was so set on, you know, just getting Cobalt's first issue out. 
But down the line, I could most definitely see that taking place. Awesome, man. Awesome. What What do you think the future of indie comics is going to be like, say, like in, in five, maybe even 10 years time? I think for comic books, I think uh, indie comics are going to be the only thing standing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I, do you think it will be like a complete demise for the mainstream? Like they, they won't even have like a pot to piss in? Or do you think like they'll still be about, but no one really gives a shit? It's kind of like it is now, man. It's just people who grew up on comic books supporting the comic book industry. All the all the big wigs, they're they're making the movies from you know the top ten most read Batman or Iron Man, you know, comics out there, and they're just taken from those. Nobody's really talking about, you know, the Joker Warren films. They're not talking about, you know, Blackest Night for Green Lantern. They're not even getting Green Lantern off the ground except for that Brian Reynolds thing. Which I actually enjoyed. I don't care how bad it was. I enjoyed it. But you know, it's just yeah. I do think I do think mainstream comics are going to lose their way. I th- mm-hmm. I don't think they'll be around. If they are, they're going to be under one umbrella. They're not going to be different from each other. It's not going to be Vertigo, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, all that. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be unified into one. And I, it might even be under Disney. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> or even worse starbucks they just oh, take over shit. everything <laughs> yep that's exactly right so i've yeah i don't think mainstream will be around maybe in 15 20 years i think it is dying out i mean look how dc i mean look how at&t is re- treating dc right now yeah that's and uh true. i f- i feel I feel Marvel has more of a surviving rate because they're with Disney. They're they're with the bigger company. I'm not going to lie. They're with the bigger company. Yeah. Uh, but um, again, the comic book side of it, they've got, they've got stories from the eighties to now, man, they've got what they need to keep stuff yeah. going. It's going to be us to bring the uniqueness and the or- originality back. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Everybody's going to know the S symbol. Everybody's going to know the little arc reactor in the chest. Yeah. Those are used. It's time for us to bring out some fresh ingredients. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That that sounds really logical uh, to me. And like, you know, just looking at the state of indie comics at the moment, there is tons and tons of different stuff to choose from. It's not just mm-hmm. superhero comics. There's like historical no. comics, romance yeah. comics, sci-fi comics, horror comics. And it's it's just got so much more variety to it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a shame that because we're all stuck on like the crowdfunding platforms at the moment and obviously because a lot of creators they're doing smaller runs they Mm. are going to have to charge like that little bit extra that unfortunately i think that's the one thing that's going to keep kids away from wanting to explore the indie world a bit more because like why pay 30 bucks for like uh, well 20 bucks for Mm -hmm. a 48 page book when they can just go i've got webtoons here yep and get it for free you know yep I understand that completely. And at that point, it's not even the kids because the kids don't have mommy and daddy's credit card. Yeah. The, the kids need mommy and daddy to go make that purchase for them. <laughs> the question is, will they? So, yes. you know, and with us being indies and where we stand on stuff and everything, after the whole uh, geeks and gamers ordeal that just took place. Oh, was I that mean, over the Snyder Cut? Yeah, over the Snyder Cut, you know how they were, you know, it's, it's going, they're going to be playing politics looking at your accounts and shit, man. 
Yeah. If you're wanting to get big, they're going to do it. Yeah. Look at what they're trying to do to EVS right now. I mean, he's, I'm he's old. getting ready to move over to a different, uh, different company now he's not going to be using well he'll be on youtube but they basically struck him and now he's looking for a different alternative routes to put out his content i mean yeah it's it's gnarly man i just got done watching uh eric july doing his bit on what happened over gng and uh Mm -hmm. yeah man the look of defeat on everybody's face when they were talking about it was just Dude, my heart sank for him. I mean, I followed Neurotic yeah. for a while. For a while, I followed EBS, Eric, you know, yeah. and you know, you just gotta watch out for what might come about when you start wanting to get that big. So, do you want to yeah. stay small and you know, kind of successful? Because yeah. for me personally, if I could do this, just making 30, 40 grand a year, I'd quit my job mm. immediately and just do this. Yeah, don't I blame you. Yeah, I don't need much. I don't. I'm a very, I'm a minimalist. <laughs> so I think that's the same for most people uh, in yeah. indie comics. Actually, you know, like if you could put out like three, maybe four books a year, and you could average about thirty to forty k a year, mm-hmm. then you're laughing. But the the unfortunate truth is, is, is it's a business. Whether we want yep. it to be or not, it is a business, and an important part of business is growth and when you Mm -hmm. start growing there's more eyes on you and then there's more people who go i don't like the fact that you're successful let's see how (laughs) i can fuck this up for you yeah (laughs) how far we got to go back 10 years let's go look at his account 10 years ago see what stupid shit he said when he was a kid (laughs) yeah oh god i just i hate that fucking mentality man it's so redundant and it's like if those people put that much energy into creating something or Mm -hmm. doing something good they'd have a much better time. They'd probably smile for once in their fucking lives. I know, right? No it's, doubt. It's, it amazes me. Like, I look at, like, that that grouping of people, and I'm like, don't, don't you guys ever fucking laugh? They can't, because laughing, laughing doesn't make them money. <laughs> it doesn't. It makes us money, because we're laughing at them. But, yeah. I mean, you know. People who are like that, man, they just they just look for negativity, and I don't have time for it. Yeah, same. Absolutely. I don't have time for that bullshit. I'm too busy getting on with my own thing. If they don't like nope. it, their fucking problem, not mine. Exactly. Don't drag me into your problem. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, like, if you had to describe your, your writing, your work in comics in three words, no more, no less, what three words would you choose and why? Uh, surprising mm-hmm. epic originality cool cool that was easy <laughs> so why would you choose those three words uh because i think the stories that i have are going to have surprising uh characters that we haven't heard from in a long time there's a lot where people like drawing from uh norse mythology and greek mythology yeah but there are others out there too. Like um, Kami Mark is doing great with his uh, Krishna kid, you know, yeah. just so just showing little tidbits here and there. But I think he, I think he has a sleeper with that when it comes out. 
And I think if you look at other, you know, uh, beliefs or religions and stuff like that, you'll find a plethora of other stories that you could not only twist and turn for your own, uh, for your own stories, but there's so much out there that hasn't been shown just to the Western civilization. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like that's what I'm doing with uh, Damascus right now. I'm pulling from different, uh, lores from different regions of, you know, the world. And I think, I think that's going to be something that needs to be explored a little more just yeah. because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm open to other people's, you know, uh, ideas of how things work and how, you know, um, worlds, worlds came to and stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. I love it with all my heart. And so to be able to like pull from different, uh, you know, ethnic backgrounds and different, uh, religions and stuff like that. I think, I think those are going to have a lot to do with what takes place in the future. Awesome, man. Awesome. Tell me, do you believe in writer's block? And if so, what do you do to overcome it? I totally believe in writer's block because the idea would be there, but how to execute it Mm -hmm. originally with a little bit of substance rather than what you've just seen, you know, in your own, in your own reading and whatnot, it's a little bit more difficult to do because everybody wants to do that one special scene, but put their little twist on it. It's yeah. just how do you how do you get to that moment? How do you get to that scene? So very much uh, walking your story along. I would say that is where the writer's block takes place most. Okay, okay. So what 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 would you do to overcome that writer's block? Uh, what I do is I just I read and watch more content, man. Until until uh, something else comes up, or even just a walk outside, and I might see something and it clicks. I uh, I said in another stream, I I listen to Film Courage when I go out for walks outside, just to, like reset and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, Film Courage, they very much bring on you know directors and screenwriters and different artists to talk about their ways and how they deal with writer's block or getting a script out or even how they go about, um, you know, finding producers to help, you know, make it happen for them. And there's a lot of knowledge to be gathered within, uh, film courage. And, you know, also listen to people who have done comic books before. I see your channel has a lot of different videos on how to write, how to create, how to maintain, how to continue. And, uh, bro, a lot of people need that content. Damn straight. Damn straight. That is probably my most viewed content by far. I mean, when I started the channel, I just saw it as like, you know, this is my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do things like speed drawing videos. I'll do like the 100 days of making comics challenge and stuff. And it wasn't really stuff that interested me. And then one day I just saw like someone out there was like, man, there's all this drawing content out there. There's none about writing comics. And I was like, I write comics. I, I know how to do this. I made one video, man, just like your, your beginner's tips, like the, the yep. things that are easy to overlook, like, hey, look, a page turn. Like, don't fucking reveal anything too soon. Use that page turn to its advantage. Before I knew it, like at first, like the first week, I don't think it got many views. But then after that, it just skyrocketed to like something like 70,000 views. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was just like, okay, keep doing this. 
keep fucking yeah. doing this because it's it's needed and people want it and if you've got that information fucking share it because we're all in the same boat man why paddle in different directions oh, you know no doubt most definitely i mean uh let's oh shoot i just had it um you know uh one of the first ones i watched when i started getting into ethan van skyver's channel and whatnot was uh mark crilly and he he very much you know was about the page turn and how to set up uh, different scenes and whatnot. And a good one that I heard about was uh, the original RoboCop film. Yeah. So when when they're in the uh, when they're in the factory, that cocaine scene mm. where they're where they're trying to, where Red Foreman's trying to make the deal with the guy running it. Yeah, you can you can see how the um, the camera is set on the two individuals for Red mm. Foreman. The camera sat up a little bit, so it looks like his angle is looking down on the guy that he's interrogating. Yes. And then when it goes back to the guy, you can see it sh it sits a little lower, mm. so you know who's who's the big dog in that scene at that point. Yeah. And just the little the little minute tidbits of something like that that you don't really pay attention to until it's brought to the forefront. Yeah. Dude, stuff like that is gold. Yeah, absolutely. And things like if you want to make people feel like, oh, the character's really isolated and alone, pull that camera back as far mm -hmm. as you can so they look as small as they can. Yeah. That, just little bits of information like that, that is the deal breaker. That is what makes uh, the difference between like an amateur, a hobbyist, and a fucking seasoned professional writer, you know? <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. So yeah, so I would, I would say I'm still growing as you know, a writer and everything, but every everybody grows. I'm just at, you know, I'm at that beginning level. And but you know, just soaking up all the content and knowledge that other people have, you know, I mean, it helps. It helps a lot. It makes it makes your story that much more dramatic, that much more enticing. And when people feel that they they want to just, you know, keep coming back for more. And that's, yes. that's the end game is to keep people coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, the first page of your book sells the book. The last mm -hmm. page of your book sells the next book. Yes, exactly. People need to remember that. Make that last page a fucking winner. And yep. you'll be A-OK, -okay, man. So we're, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the show in a second. But oh, there's, okay. there's, there's one question. One question that I have to ask you because I ask everyone. And I know there's a few people that watch this show that love this question. I love this question. I don't think this show would exist without this question. Do All you right. believe in the idea of the tortured artist? Yes. Oh, wow, you're the first person who just went, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, anything to, to back that up with? Any, any particular reason why you believe in the tortured artist? To me, the tortured artist is the person that has something good, but he feels he can't bring it to an audience because it's not ever going to be perfect. Okay. It's never going to be good enough. Right. When an artist feels that something's never going to be good enough, they're never going to get it out. That, to me, is a tortured artist. I can understand where you're coming from. I really can. Like... Yeah, that makes so much sense. 
Yeah. So, you know, there's there's this movie. I've, I forgot the name of it. It has Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. And uh, he's trying to build this epic, like, the, theatrical film mm-hmm. within a studio. And, you know, years go by. He's trying to get every every room to every uh, building, you know, set correctly. He's trying to get every person in the correct suit and tie or in the dress and just, you know, micromanaging. If you're doing that, man, you're going to wreck yourself. You talk about being exhausted at the end of it, bro. If you're exhausted at the beginning of it, you're doing something wrong. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if you like that kind of torture. I sure as hell don't. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know. depends what day it is to be honest with you <laughs> okay maybe more so on tuesday <laughs> yes absolutely well just, uh, generally days ending with why uh, i find it like the best ones to do <laughs> and that is a flattering shot my camera has just frozen on i need to change that real quick oh oh there we go that's that's much better there's actual movement and stuff awesome man that that's that's really awesome answers the question well dude I have to say thank you so much for coming on this show. It's been an absolute blast talking to you, man. Appreciate it, uh, man. Thanks for having uh, me. We, we have to do this again. We can't just let this be the only time. No, there will be a to be continued. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for watching and I hope you enjoyed it. I will be back with a new episode of I Have Issues next week. So until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, but most importantly, stay safe and stay awesome.